I want to welcome everyone to our brand new series, Jesus is Greater Than. I want to welcome everyone who may be watching online right now as well. If Maybe if you're out because of spring break or sickness has hit or you're working, um, I want to welcome you as well. Today we're going to kick off, like I said, this new series that Jesus is Greater Than, which we meant to kick off last week, but because of our church situation and set up and tear down, we couldn't get here through some maybe weather conditions to get things set for the day. So we're kicking it off this week, and the purpose of this series is we are now a few weeks away from uh, celebrating uh, Easter. We're, we're a few weeks away from celebrating Resurrection Sunday, which honestly is like the game changer of all game changers. But here's what I know leading up to it. There's many of us, there's many of you who spend uh, those, this time frame, uh, maybe some of you call it Lynn or, or, or that kind of thing, but, but you spend this time focusing in on Jesus' life and and really what happened leading up to the cross. And so this series is actually going to be based in the book of Hebrews. You can go ahead and turn there now. I love this book because this book solely is truly about Jesus and the fact that he is supreme, that he's in control. And, and what I love about this, again, as many of us are kind of praying through leading up to Easter, many of us are looking at his life and the things he accomplished leading up to the cross, the bur his burial and resurrection, is that the book of Hebrews gives us a definition of, of who Jesus was and because of the things he accomplished, who he is now and what that means for us. Jesus is greater than. I love it. My, my, uh, my oldest son is, is having that conversation now. He's, he's learning like all these equations and he likes coming home and, and putting all these equations together. And, and in his mind too, he's understanding the value of things. And so he's at that stage now of like, hey dad, isn't seven greater than five? I'm like, yeah man, seven's greater than five. Um, and so that, that conversation is being had all over the place, all the time at, at our house. Um, but I know, see, you and I do this in our life. We always have like, is such and such greater than this thing, right? Like there's debates all the time. And there's this fashionable um, little catchphrase, this acronym that's happened in our culture called GOAT. Anybody familiar with this? Greatest of all time, right? GOAT. And everybody's always having this discussion in our culture, like who is the GOAT? Who's the GOAT? And I'm, I'm hearing this take place, and I'm like, okay, there can only be one GOAT. Like by definition, if this person is the greatest of all time, that means there is someone and everybody else is less than them, right? There's only one GOAT. Well, in a sense, that's what the book of Hebrews is about. Jesus is a GOAT, right? And they're going, oh man, I know there's some weird theological thing there. But that's kind of what's taking place, and that's what we're going to cover. We're going to find out that Jesus is the greatest of all time. If you want to put it in the, in the form of a formula, is this, that Jesus plus zero equals everything. <laughs> so, so Jesus plus zero is everything. That, that Jesus is everything that I need him to be. Jesus is everything that you need him to be. And he's even more than that, right? There's nothing that can be added to Jesus that will make him greater. Jesus plus zero equals everything. So what does that mean for you and I? Like, that has deep impact. But before we get in that, I want to have a little bit of fun. We're going to do this throughout the series, and you can, um, you can cast your vote in any of our social media platforms via Twitter, via Instagram, via Facebook. And so you can, I give you permission now to break out your phone in church. When I was growing up, like, that was like a bad thing, right? God was going to strike you with lightning. It's okay. Interact. Let's have fun together. So, so here's, here's a question I have for you, and we're going to decide what's greater than. So if you can go ahead and put up the slide here, I need, I need you guys to participate and help out. 
uh, we got a slide here showing, is, is your favorite snack a sweet snack or is it salty? I thought about this last week as we were snowed in for all of 10 minutes, right? Um, like, like there's kind of a go-to when you, when you get, when you get snowed in your house and you're hanging there all the time. I don't know if you're like me. I'm just like, heck, now what do we do? I guess I'm just going to eat, right? I don't have anything else to do. Um, and so you can go ahead and make your greater than statement again on our social media. And, um, I'll announce the winner at the end of the service. So, but just by a show of hands, I'm kind of curious who, who are like sweet snack people in here? Throw me in that category. Yeah. Like, yeah, I obviously, right. I mean, you guys are. Are Christians. Um, so what about the salt? Now I've kind of built that up a little bit, and now the salty people are like, oh no, if I raise my hands, I mean, I worship Satan. Um, no, you're good. So who are the salty people in the house? Okay. All right. So it is about 60, 40 there. All right. So we're going to go ahead and kick this off again. We're going to be in the book of Hebrews, and uh, we're going to kick off in chapter one. And let me build a little bit of context as you're getting there, because we're going to start right in verse one. And there's this conversation about Jesus' greatness that's going down. And, and really, like, this writer and this author is just throwing down the gauntlet here. Um, but, but the context of this book of Hebrews, there's a writer, and there's a lot of conversation. Many people kind of debate who's the writer. And so you, you can make a statement that is this kind of unknown. Um, but, but this book is, is written to truly a group of people who, who kind of raise their hands saying, you know what, we, we want to follow Jesus that we want to sign up, we want to sign up for following Him, we believe in Him, we're putting our faith in Him. But, but something kind of takes place. So, so Jesus, His death, burial, resurrection takes place. He's gone, okay? He's, he's now, as we're going to find here in a moment, He's sitting at the right hand of God. And all of a sudden, we've got a group of people who formerly practiced Judaism. This is, the, this is the life they grew up in. This was their religion. And they said, no, so we want to go all in. We want to follow Jesus. But now there's, there's tension that, that has taken place with them. And actually, many of them are going, you know what? I, I think we want to tap out of this Jesus thing. I, I think that I'm going to sign up to go back to what I was practicing faith-wise before. I, I think I just want to take a step back and go, I don't really know if this is for me. But actually, to go a little bit different, a little bit further and deeper is that Many of them were, were, were tapping out because the truth is it got really hard to follow Jesus. Like, like things got really, really difficult. You have to imagine this. This group of people, these early followers, these early adopters, I mean, everybody was looking at them kind of going, you're, you're crazy, right? I mean, just think about like investors into a brand new company when it's nothing but a vision and nothing but a dream. It, it takes early pioneers, early adopters to go, you know what, I believe in that. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go all in. But the truth is, when you do that, you're surrounded by more people going, hey, bro, you're an idiot. <laughs> that's, that's never going to work. Do you realize the road that's ahead of you? Do you realize what all that involves? Do you realize how much this is going to cost you? So apply that same principle to this faith situation here. That they're truly the minority and there's people all around them going, what are you, what are you doing? Like, are you really buying into this Jesus thing? Are, are you really signing up for that? Are you really abandoning your, your, your faith and what we grew up in and what we practice? So much to the degree that many of them began facing persecution for this. I mean, people were losing their homes. They were losing their livelihood. They were losing all these things 
and just kind of weighing out their options are going, yeah, I, I think food in my belly is greater. I, I think a place for our family to live is greater. I, I think that occupation that I once had now is being threatened or taken away from me. I, I think that's greater. And so this book, this letter, this epistle is written with the mindset of, whoa, 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 whoa hold on. Jesus is actually greater than the occupation. Jesus is actually greater than the roof over your head, the food in your belly. I promise you, stick this out with him. And so we see this writer, this author, actually address some, some very cultural, religious things. And he addresses their, their past faith or maybe dabbling back into it again. And we see this today, and he comes out with this conversation that Jesus is greater than the angels. Now that may mean something to you, it may not, but, but there's actually something extremely significant that I believe that matters to our everyday life. So let me just do this. Let me pick up in Hebrews chapter 1, beginning in verse 1. It says, In the past, God spoke to our ancestors through the prophets at many times and in various ways. But in these last days, He has spoken to us by his son, whom he appointed heir of all things, again, that's huge, not some things, but all things, and through whom also he made the universe. So let's just pause right there and let's talk about what's going on. There's, there's some really big statements that, that this author, this writer just made in this letter. So he, he kind of kicks open the door and says, listen, let's, let's have all this discussion about old school versus new school. That's essentially what's going on right now. This is an old school versus new school conversation that's going on. It's kind of like, what's the best way to explain this? Um, I, I'm, I'm like a Michael Jordan guy, right? Because it's getting kind of crazy that Michael Jordan's old school. Like that kind of blows my mind a little bit. Like I grew up with Michael Jordan, and, and I deeply believe like he is the greatest basketball player ever. Like I, I saw him in the clutch. That guy's got a lot of rings on his hands, plural, to, to show that, right? I mean, there are moments in the game where he's like, give me the ball, get out of my way, I am going to make this happen in the game, right? And he did it over and over and over. The greatest of all time, that's my opinion. Now, my kids come home hanging out with their punk friends talking about LeBron James. I'm like, come on now, get that stuff out of here. That guy is not clutch. I mean, yeah, he's won a couple of championships, but he went to this place to actually be around better players. Like Michael Jordan was in the same place the whole time going, no, I am going to win here. I'm not going to chase championships. I am going to build them myself. He's the greatest, right? I know there's a lot of debate. Again, old school versus new school, right? That's the same thing in a lot of ways that's happened spiritually here. He's going, no, 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 wait. So he, here's what's happening. Let's just do a comparison chart for just a minute. See, our ancestors, they grew up hearing stories. And God showed himself to them in various ways. He demonstrated his heart in various ways. So that's the old school, right? We all grew up hearing those stories. But what this writer is saying is, no, no, no. Listen, this isn't about stories. This is about what we've seen. Like we've seen, it says this verse 2, but, but in these last days, He has spoken to us by His Son. We've seen this and experienced this 
for ourselves the old school way versus the, the new school. He's going to know that Jesus and his revelation is greater. It's greater than anything that our ancestors had to experience prior. We have seen this face to face, the old school way of things where God would reveal himself through symbols and commandments and precepts and warnings and exhortations and visions and dreams and signs and parables and events. And, and what this writer is saying is, you know, like, we've seen him. <laughs> like, I, I sat down with him. I, we, we know him. Like, I can tell you stories from first-hand experience, not something that's just pa been passed down from generation to generation to generation to generation. And that doesn't mean that the old school is wrong, by the way. That's not what he's getting at here. What he's really pressing in on these new believers and, and kind of trying to figure out if they're going to follow Jesus or not, what he's saying is, no, no, listen, you, you, you experienced this for yourself. Why would you turn now? You, you've experienced Jesus for yourself. Why would you turn now? Maybe, maybe think of it this way. It's the, the spoken word versus the seen. It's the spoken word versus what has been seen. I, this is well documented. I talk about it all the time. But I'm, I'm a UGA football fan. And so one thing that happens when you go to UGA football games is a bunch of Men who have nothing better to do with their lives than watch guys chase a ball around the field for three hours and spend a lot of money doing so. Talk about the good old days, right? Like, remember back in 1980 when we won that championship? I'm like, yeah, bro, I wasn't born then. Um, just being straight up honest with you. Do you remember that year in 82 when we went on to... I'm like, yeah, awesome. That's really cool. And I believe that, right? Because it's documented. Like, it doesn't mean it didn't happen. And it doesn't make it any less significant. But I'm kind of going, yeah, I'd like to taste that for myself. I'd like, to, I'd like to see that just one time in my life. And I could die a happy guy. Like, I'll be good then. Just one. They can lose every other season from here on out. But I just want to experience it one time. What he's saying is you have experienced the championship. You've seen it. You have seen Jesus firsthand. So why are you tapping out now? And then he goes on in verse 3, and he says this, The Son, being Jesus, is the radiance of God's glory and the exact representation of his being, sustaining all things, again, not some things, but all things by the power of his word. After he had provided purification for sins, love this, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty in heaven. So, so let's, just, let's just tap the brakes and talk about verse 3 for just one second. This is huge. So, so what he's saying is this, is that, that, that God, being Jesus, the, the Son of God, Jesus, has, has revealed some things about God our Creator, God the Father. That, that, that word radiance there, it, it means that, that something is, is coming out of Jesus. Something is shining through Him. We know the Father's heart because of Jesus, because of what we've experienced in Him and through Him. In other words, He's saying, no, no, guys, this is a big deal. Like, He has 
shown you. He has represented what the Father is like, and He's sustaining all things by the power of His Word. And did you capture this? I said after He, he accomplished this, and after He accomplished the purification of our sins, and Jesus did that by surrendering His life as a sacrifice on the cross. That, what did He do? Well, He, he went and took a seat. <laughs> he went and sat down the right hand of the majesty, as the word says. He went and sat down on the right hand of the majesty in heaven. What a powerful word. You're like, wait, 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 hold on. Like, Jesus is kind of lazy, right? <laughs> I mean, he went and sat down? Here's what that means, and here's why it's significant. Again, remember the people that he's writing this to. The, the people who are literally, possibly risking everything to follow Jesus. That everything in the life is possibly on the line. You know what this says? Yeah, Jesus is sitting down. You're like, oh man, come on, Jesus, do something. You know what it says to me? He's got this. It, it, it says to me that, that Jesus isn't anxious. Jesus isn't worried that Jesus understands that everything is under control. What a good word for me and what a good word for you. Because I'm telling you, there's somebody in here that there's something going on medically that isn't quite aligning the way it needs to be. Maybe the word for you today is that Jesus is seated. He's not anxious. He's not worried. He's, he's in control. He knows how it's going to play out. He's not freaking out. Maybe there's some relational turmoil in your life. Maybe it's your marriage. Maybe it's your family. And, and you're losing a lot of sleep over it. You're, you're anxious. I believe this writer would say, no, you understand. No, just wait and pause for a second. Understand that Jesus is seated. Like he sat down. He's not anxious and he's not worried. He's got this. Maybe it's your kids. You've spent all your energy, a lot of your days, and a lot of your effort, and a lot of your prayers investing in them. And now they've grown up, and they're making their own decisions, and there's something you're looking at and going, oh, man, and your heart's just broken because of the things they're doing. I just want to remind you that Jesus sat down, and he's not anxious, and he's not worried that he is in control. And in verse 4, this is, this is when things begin to build and begin significant. We're talking about Jesus greater than. It says this in verse 4. So he became as much superior to the angels as the name he had inherited is superior to theirs. For to which of the angels did God ever say, you are my son? Today I have become your father. Or again, I will be his father and he will be my son so there's a Greek word that's being used, this, this word for superior, and it really, it literally breaks down to meaning greater. That this is the first time of 13 examples that this writer uses this word throughout the book. He, he says that, that Jesus is superior and that he is, he's greater. And his first example is Jesus is greater than the angels. 
that kind of seems a little bit random, right? Let, let, me, let me explain where this comes from and, and what all this means. The, this author is saying, okay, imagine it this way. Like, has God the Father ever looked at the angels and called them son? Well, no, he hasn't. Well, well Jesus is the son of God, so therefore, by default, by blood, he is greater than the angels. But doesn't it kind of just seem a little random and a little unfair to the angels? I mean, whoever, who did anything wrong with the angels, right? Like, like why, why are you picking on them? So he, here's what this meant within this context and within Judaism and within the religious system that they lived under. So every time something good happened, there tend to be angels around. God made a lot of announcements through angels. I mean, angels were there when the commandments were given. Angels were there to announce the, the coming of Jesus. A lot of significant things happen. I just had this thought this morning and thinking through the message. I mean, angels are a good thing. You ever seen the movie Angels in the Outfield? Come on, everybody do it with me. Oh, yes. Right? And I love it that, like, everybody knew, okay, when everybody's we're going to come back and win the game. Everything is good. Everything's under control. Something good is about to happen. And with, again, within this religion, within this religious system, with their upbringing, angels are, are a pretty significant thing. So much to the degree that, that even angels were, were worshipped simply based on their position. And, and when they showed up, good things were going to happen. And so what he's saying is, oh, hold on, hold on. Yeah, yeah, good, good things happen. I, I will not dispute that. However, greater things happen when Jesus is on the scene. Greater things happen because he is seated at the right hand of God. He is in control and all things function through him. And all things are moved by the power of his word. I love this. I love this imagery. That, that he's contrasting angels and Jesus and and the angels, as we'll see here in a minute, are the ones that, that, are, that are working, that are serving. And Jesus is sitting on the throne because that's who he is. He is the Son of God. If you're taking notes, write this down. Here's why Jesus is greater. Because it is his dominion. He belongs there. He is the Son of God. But the second thing is, is because of his dignity that he brings to the reign of the throne. So it's because of his dominion and because of his Dignity. Let me, let, me, let me break this down. He brings dignity to the position. Let, let's just have an honest conversation for a second about the culture that I live in and the culture that you live in. And I'm not trying to get over political here. I don't try to make political statements from this platform. I just don't. Again, I said this a whole bunch. Jesus is greater than, and so I'm going to follow him, and that's what we do. But you ever notice, like, in our culture, specifically within government, when, when people hold a seat, a position of power? Here's what you and I have experienced and seen play out. Doesn't that get abused from time to time? Isn't it leveraged for certain agendas? Who can buy them? Who can push things forward, make it happen to certain advantages for others? In some ways, the seat doesn't have much dignity within our minds of a lot of people who live in our culture. But, but Jesus brings dignity. It makes him greater than anything else because 
He abandoned heaven. Think about that. He left perfection. He abandoned heaven to come here to hang out with a whole bunch of sinners. There's no other way to say that. He, he left perfection to come hang out with it, the imperfect. And he surrendered himself as a sacrifice on a cross, beat death through a resurrection. And because of that, he now sits on the throne. He reigns. He brings dignity to the seat. So Jesus is greater than. He's greater than because he's the Son of God. He's greater than because he brings dignity to the seat. But, but this writer keeps having this conversation about the angels, and it continues in verse 13 when it states this. To which of the angels did God ever say, sit at my right hand until I make your enemies a footstool at your feet? Verse 14, big encouragement. Are not all angels ministering spirits sent to serve those who would inherit salvation? So he asks this question, okay, let's, let's do a little comparison with the angels thing again. What? Did, did God the Father ever say to the angels over here, hey, you know what? Take a seat at my right hand. You belong here. And in verse 14, he tells us that the angels are these ministering spirits. To who? To those who would inherit salvation. Here's why that's significant to me. Here's why that's significant to you. And here's why it makes Jesus so great. Because Jesus cares about his investment. Jesus cares about his investment. That, that Jesus just didn't give his life and, and defeat death and go hang out at the right hand of God and just kick back going, hey, you, you tell me when to go pick them up, right? Like you're picking your kids up from school. Like you, you go tell me when it's time, I'll go get them and everything's going to be good at the second advent or the second coming. But now God is, is sending out these ministering spirits, these angels on my behalf and on yours. That, that literally there are things that go on in my life and your life that God is, is protecting us from. That it has a spiritual implication that he is, he's protecting my salvation. He, he keeps me close to him. He is sending out his angels to work to protect me in the investment that he's made. And then there's these moments in our life like physically that take place and happen. You know those moments where maybe you or someone you know was in that car accident and there's no explanation of why you were spared and why you were kept safe. The scriptures tell us. Why? Why is this so important to him? Why is this so important to God? Because he's protecting his investment. I get to hang out from time to time here at the YMCA and uh, throughout the week, I come up here and I do some volunteer chaplain work with them. And it's really funny. There, there are a couple of cars and never fails every afternoon. Like they park way out there away from, you know, the regular folks' cars like mine. Why? Because they're protecting their investment. I used to pull up and go, man, what jerk took three parking spots and parked crooked, right? And it occurred to me one day, whoa, 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 hold on. That guy's got a whole lot of money into that sucker, and he's going to make sure that it's good, that no one dings his door. And God's going the same way with you, with me, of going, I am going to protect it. Why? Because I want them to experience the fullness 
of their inheritance. I want them to experience every ounce of the inheritance that I have paid for until I come back for them. And so here's my question for you today. Are you experiencing the fullness of his inheritance? Are you following his lead? Are you trusting in him? Because this author is writing to a group of people who've now tapped out and they're, and they're surrendering the, the fullness of their inheritance. They're going, this isn't for us in a lot of ways. He's going, no, no, no. Hang in there. there. There's something greater to come because the GOAT, the greatest of all time, he's at the right hand and in control. So no matter the things that you're experiencing, no matter the, the brokenness that you are, are going through, no matter the pain that you feel right now, Jesus has got this. And he's going to protect his investment. And he wants you to experience the fullness of his inheritance. So Jesus, he sits and rules, and the angels, they stand and serve. Jesus, he sits and rules, and the angels, they stand and serve. So what's that mean to you? What's that mean to your life? Maybe you're here today, and you're kind of kicking the tires on the faith thing much like these people that this letter is written to. They're going, I don't really know where I belong in this whole conversation. I believe this author would speak directly to you, and I believe that God is speaking directly today of going, I've got this. I, got, I am at the right hand of God and in control. And I love you to such a degree that I'm willing to protect my investment. I'll do whatever it takes to be with you, to protect you until the end. See, there's somebody here today, or maybe you're watching online, and you've spent a lot of equity in your life trying to overcome the brokenness and the pain, the relationships and the downfalls of life and the confusion and the hurt. I think what this is getting to is that would you just let him be in control Will you just trust him? Will you just surrender to the one who is sitting at the right hand of God, who's not anxious, who's not worried, who's not panicked? He is for you. Maybe for the very first time, just right where you're at, maybe you're watching or maybe you're here today, you just need to cry out to God, God, I need you to be the ruler and the leader of my life. Maybe he's brought others of you here to surrender anxiety, to surrender worry, to surrender panic. And the word for you today is that he is seated. That is your word today from the Lord. He is seated. And I don't believe this is by coincidence either. Maybe there's someone in your life that the Holy Spirit's prompting you right now. He's bringing to your mind that honestly, life has them freaked out. They're panicking, they're worried, they're anxious. And maybe he's brought this word to you today to be very intentional where you work, live, and play. To go have that conversation. Say, you know what? He, God just showed me this today. God showed me this this week, this past Sunday. And man, I was so encouraged because Jesus is seated at the right hand of God. And he is in control. And he loves me. He loves you to, to such a degree that he would send these ministering spirits, the angels, 
to protect his investment. Maybe God would use you as a word of encouragement this week. Ever how he's dealing with you, I pray that you respond and respond faithfully. So with every head bowed in here, every eye closed,